Welcome to Prima's 2019 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Robin Lill will discuss sober living homes. Robin is the second Vice President of Public Sector Services at Travelers. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, Prima's Education Coordinator. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Robin. So what exactly is a sober living home, or SLH for short? The term sober living home is used to describe a drug-free environment where an individual lives after a drug rehabilitation stay, although that rehab step is not necessarily required. Rehabbing adults will live in a group home with six or less adults typically, while transitioning back into a life routine. Most participants will go to school and or work and then return to the SLH at the end of the day for a meal and to sleep. There is one condition. The resident must remain sober. That means no alcohol or drug use. If either is used, he or she may be asked to leave the home. What about drug counseling or medical treatments? Those services are not part of an SLH operations. Rather, most participants living in the home will use one another for emotional support during their recovery process. Most LSHs will have an administrator in the home to ensure that the house rules are followed, such as keeping his or her room clean, helping with chores, paying rent on time, and so forth. Violating the house rules can also be grounds for an eviction. Do local residents have any concerns regarding SLHs in their neighborhood? For instance, we hear that property values could go down or that crime rates could increase. You know, it's not uncommon to see a bit of public backlash with these homes, but this can lead to some interesting liability issues for the public officials and the public entity. First, there are existing laws that protect individuals recovering from alcoholism or drug addiction. These individuals are deemed disabled under both the Fair Housing Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act. The FHA prohibits a broad range of housing practices that discriminate against individuals on the basis of race, color, religion, and so forth. And this applies to land use and zoning laws as well as other policies and practices that discriminate. Federal courts have found that halfway houses, group homes, and sober living homes used as residences were considered quote-unquote dwellings, and as such are protected by the FHA. Additionally, the ADA prohibits discrimination on the basis of a substantially limiting impairment. Recovery from a substance use disorder has been considered such an impairment. Regulation of land use and zoning is traditionally reserved to the state and local governments, except to the extent in which it conflicts with the FHA, ADA, or other federal laws, including HUD regulations or rulings from the Department of Justice. Thanks for tuning in to this Prima podcast. I would like to take a moment and invite you to Prima's 2019 annual conference, June 9th through 12th in Orlando, Florida. Here are some words from Prima's meetings director, Monique Gilliam, regarding Prima's 2019 annual conference. If you haven't heard, Prima's exhibit booth sales are now open. We are over 50% to capacity and space is filling up fast, so reserve your spot today by visiting www.primacentral.org and clicking the annual conference tab. We'll see you in Orlando. To learn more about Prima's 2019 annual conference, visit primacentral.org.
Could a municipality or county pass a local ordinance to prohibit an SLH or at least impose regulatory requirements? You know, Taekwon, that is a really good question. And there are examples in which local officials have tried to impose SLH rules or ordinances. But the rule of thumb is local ordinances can be no different than that applied to any other resident home. In other words, the same regs that apply to, for instance, noise control, basic home maintenance, safety issues like low-hanging trees or mowed lawns, must be applied equally regardless of home type. Here's a really good example in which a public entity spent millions of dollars in defense and settlement. In 2015, Newport Beach, California, settled a lawsuit filed by Pacific Shores Properties, LLC. The dispute arose from an ordinance approved by the city council that regulated group homes for recovery addicts. It established quiet hours, parking and smoking areas, and van routes. This is something the city would never think of imposing on a local homeowner. The ordinance also required the city's approval for new unlicensed homes for recovering addicts. The plaintiffs alleged that the ordinances violated anti-discrimination and fair housing laws. Following seven years of federal court litigation, the lawsuit settled for $5.25 million, and the city reportedly spent $4 million in legal costs. The key here is for public officials to be aware that the cost of litigation is high when discriminatory actions are applied to protected classes, including the residents of a sober living home, or the company owners of a sober living home. A SLH is different than a drug treatment facility or a clinic. Those can be regulated by a public entity. For instance, restrictions on the location of a rehab facility, not being too near a school, or adequacy of street parking, or structural square footage based on your existing zoning regulations can be applied as long as those regulations are fair and non-discriminatory. But understanding the difference between a rehab facility or clinic versus a sober living home is key to avoiding the costly mistake that Newport Beach faced just a few years ago. One last question. How effective are sober living homes and might we expect to see a rise in the numbers? You know, drugs, whether for legal or illegal use, are on the rise in this country. Most news stories proclaim that this is an epidemic and that it's not going away anytime soon. Families and impacted individuals need creative solutions. A sober living home is one tool, certainly, but the number of SLHs are trending upward. These homes can and do help the participants in their recovery process by integrating them back into a school work-life program to a higher degree. And, you know, there are plenty of publications available that discuss the statistics around this type of treatment if anyone is interested in learning more. If a local municipality or county has not yet seen an SLH in their community, the odds are that they will at some future point in time. And that's the point of this podcast, to alert individuals and officials that SLHs are protected by federal laws and regulations, and that legal counsel should be engaged to arrive at a workable solution that addresses the interests of all parties. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.